This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. We have a bunch to dive into on the recruiting scene with our good friend Tyler Calvaruso right here in just a moment. It is June 15th, which is a great time to do our mid-June recruiting reset. We anticipated for a long time all the way through spring that this was going to be a class-changing month for the Nittany Lions in the 2024 recruiting cycle. Three commitments out of that first official visit weekend. Another big official visit weekend last week that, that featured a ton of the members of this class who are already pledged. And then more weekends ahead. This weekend uh, preceded by a seven-on-seven tournament Friday afternoon here across campus. And then we've got the Big Man Challenge on campus as well Friday. Rolling into an official visit weekend, followed by more camps in an official visit weekend. So a lot to dissect, and we figured this was a good time to come up for air, catch our breaths, halfway point of the month, and we bring in Tyler Calvaruso for that recruiting reset right now. Tyler, first off, fantastic work with the coverage uh, up on lines247.com. ton of VIP subscribers have been very happy about it. They may not be happy with all the Penn State-related news, but I know they're happy with the content. Uh, we've crushed it with the VIP promo that we've pushed a lot here on this uh, on the uh, episodes the last few weeks um, and, and top performing among the 24-7 sports network. So first off, big shout-out to you on the coverage. But you don't get a chance to relax because we got a lot to dive into for what's ahead this month. But let's start with here. What have the Nittany Lions accomplished, in your opinion, through the first couple of weeks of what we knew was going to be a whirlwind month? I'd say they pretty much laid out the foundation for what we've already known is going to be a bigger clash. You got 17 guys on board at this point in the cycle, more going on behind the scenes, more to come sooner rather than later. So I think for what the staff was already looking to add in terms of numbers, they're getting there. And this is a pretty good starting point where you're in the middle of June and you're already approaching 20 when you're already planning on going well over 20 anyway. I think that that can be viewed as a success from the staff's perspective. Now, the thing is, you know, they want to add at two key positions moving forward. That's wide receiver and the defensive line. You know, when we talk about numbers in this class, it seems like 
the bulk of the remaining commitments that are going to jump on board, it's going to be either a wide receiver or a defensive lineman, just given the emphasis on what the staff is really focusing on right now. And, you know, just really what the needs are. They need to bulk up the depth chart at those two positions. And that is the goal for Marcus Higgins and Deion Barnes. And, you know, we talked about tangible commitments. I, I think that Higgins and Barnes have done a really good job of laying the groundwork to land those commitments. Barnes is on the board with one. Higgins is still waiting to crack through with the commitment, but I think he's getting really, really close to doing so. I think he's put Penn State in a really good spot with a lot of its top wide receiver targets. So between the success that we can quantify in terms of commitment numbers and you know the progress that Penn State has made with its top targets and the foundation that has been laid with those guys, I would say this is a pretty this has been a pretty success, successful month. And I think you know the building blocks are there for more commitments on the horizon. Let's bring our listeners up to speed. Maybe those who aren't always keeping their finger on the pulse of Penn State recruiting. 17 commitments now in the 2024 Nittany Lions recruiting class. The number seven class overall nationally, according to 24-7 sports rankings. And this is a group that grew by three coming out of that first official visit weekend. Tyler Calvaruso, as we documented quite a bit last weekend. But just quickly reviewing those three pickups, uh, you addressed both sides of the trenches. Derek Plaz, an offensive lineman out of Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Maryland edge rusher Xavier Gilliam, a guy who's 260 pounds. So I probably shouldn't put him in that edge rusher category. But we've got him uh, there at 24-7 Sports. And we'll call him a defensive lineman for now. And then the highest rated of this trio, um, you go down once again to Maryland, to Gilman in Baltimore, Dewan Lane, who's a four-star safety. What do we make of that group? I won't ask you to dissect them one by one for minutes at a time like we did last week, but obviously that was a haul that turned a lot of heads from official visit weekend number one. Well, Lane's a high-end talent, just starting with him, four-star, who wasn't really in love with the whole recruiting process, wasn't a big fan of the fanfare that comes along with recruiting. So he was really quiet, and that made it kind of difficult to get a read on him at times, but he scheduled one official visit to Penn State, and that was the only visit that he needed to make up his mind. So that's a pretty big get for Anthony Poindexter on the back end of the secondary. Another really big safety that he could add to the room, hard hitter, really physical, tough kid. So he's got all the intangibles that Penn State is looking for. You know, he won't say a whole lot, but he's going to bring it every Saturday, so that's what the Penn State staff is looking for. And then with the two linemen, with Derek Plaza on the offensive side of the ball, versatility is the name of the game with him. Could play guard, could play tackle. Staff likes the frame. Good get for Phil Trotwin. And then on the defensive line with Xavier Gilliam, you know, entering his official visit, which he took on June 2nd, there were questions about where he would be on the board coming out of that visit because it is a very loaded interior defensive line board. There are a lot of intriguing names, a lot of high-ranked names. And, you know, there were legitimate questions about where would Gilliam fall among those names. Wound up falling among the top group, obviously, because the Penn State staff was really excited to welcome him on board as a take. Another really great job by Deion Barnes building a relationship with Gilliam, earning that trust, getting a commitment. So those are the three so far this month. You know, like I've said, more going on behind the scenes that we're going to be keeping a really close eye on moving forward as in the Elinger trending with a lot of their top guys. But I think landing those three first official visit weekend was about the best start Penn State could have asked for to the month. In just a moment, we're going to get to some players who are maybe trending toward joining this class, which could grow in a hurry here as the summer progresses. But I want to circle back really quickly to one of those pickups from early June, because while we have so much focus on spots like wide receiver and defensive line right now, there's not as much of an emphasis on the offensive lineman. And that's a great thing if you're Phil Troutwine. It means you've done a lot of your work. You've already accomplished a lot of what you need to. You're you're working your way towards signing day in a good spot. But 
quickly reviewing that group. You added Plaz uh, from Florida. You have Cooper Cousins, Donovan Harbor, both top 24-7 prospects. Uh, you've also got Garrett Sexton on board out of Wisconsin. He's a four-star prospect. And you've got uh, Caleb Brewer, who we've seen working out with the offensive uh, line staff the last couple of weeks during the camp scene. We're still waiting to see where his ultimate destination is. And then you go down big old six-foot-seven tackle Egan Boyer out of North Carolina. Him and Sexton have those huge, long frames at the tackle position. So as we work our way through that group, what's left for Phil Tratwine, who's been operating at a very high level and turning the culture around in that room? Not a whole lot, frankly. You know, there's room for another guy in that group, but if Penn State can make that happen, they'll be happy. If not, they're going to be content with the group that they have. The two names we're keeping an eye on in terms of potential additions on the offensive line are Ethan Calloway, the four-star tackle from North Carolina, who's going to be taking his official visit this weekend, and Gwerby Lambert, the top 24-7 tackle from Massachusetts, who's going to be on campus next weekend. I mentioned DeWan Lane's recruitment being really quiet. I mean, Lambert's has been even quieter. He doesn't do any sort of talking, and he's been making the rounds this summer. He's been in Notre Dame, been in Boston College. Penn State's going to get the next crack at him, so it's kind of, you know, too premature to say where things really are standing with him. I do think the Penn State staff has put itself in a pretty good position, and I think they're going to have a real chance up there against Notre Dame, but it really it's going to come down to how his official visit plays out. And then with Callaway, I think some people are sleeping on where Penn State is at with him. I think the Nittany Lions are in a better spot than a lot of people realize. So, you know, one more addition is a possibility, but it's not a guarantee. All right, I want to get into that topic I, I, I teased a moment ago, and that's where things maybe are trending in a positive direction for Penn State with the 2024 cycle. A lot of their most notable official visits are already in the books. The, the tricky part about all of this, and as you continue to document at lines247.com, these players have other official visits to get to. They have other schools to yeah. see. They have other staffs to spend time with, and you never know where a guy might be swayed. The way he leaves campus and that mindset could look very different a couple of weeks down the line. Here in midway through June, we know you got that crystal ball pick in for Nick Marsh coming out of this past crystal ball weekend. You broke down the reasons for that on our last episode of the podcast for the top 24-7 wide receiver. Let's start with Marsh. 48 hours can be a long time this, at this point of the recruiting calendar. So anything new to add on his situation in terms of the Nittany Lions? And then where else do you want to take this in terms of trending toward Penn State? But just starting with Marsh, he's going to be at Kansas this weekend, Michigan State next weekend. We were wondering, you know, where he was at on the visit front coming out of his Penn State official visit. Given how well things went, would he continue making visits? The answer to that is yes. So it's going to be Kansas and then Michigan State. I'll, I'll just circle back to Michigan State. You know, we've been saying it for a while that that could be a potential swing visit in Marsh's recruitment, just given the fact that he was committed to the Spartans, got a good relationship with the staff out there. So there is a, uh, you know, it's not a certainty by any stretch, but Penn State has the edge right now, and that's kind of been the case. It's been trending that way for a little bit. And I think that the staff has done all the right things with Marsh to secure a commitment at some point. It's just really we got to see how that Michigan State visit plays out. In terms of other guys trending towards the Nittany Lions, they're in a really good spot with Peter Gonzalez, who's going to be on campus for an official visit this weekend. Two guys who visited last weekend, four-star safety Bob Utore from Irvington, New Jersey, and then the in-state edge rusher, the four-star Malachi Williams from uh, Monsignor Bonner. Monsignor Bonner, there we go. Slipped my mind for a second. But uh, just starting with Torre, I think the staff has put it to, you know, Penn State, another situation where it led going into the official visit. It was strengthened in that regard coming out of the visit. Penn State's in a really good spot there with Torre. We could see that one wrap sooner rather than later. We'll be keeping an eye on it. And then with Williams, he's going to complete his official visit schedule, as we touched on Tuesday. Going to be at Pittsburgh, going to be at Syracuse. But Penn State's going to be tough to beat 
moving forward. So those are three guys I would really pinpoint as training towards Penn State the hardest right now. You know, Josiah Brown is going to be on campus this weekend, top 24-7 athlete. Penn State's liking him as a wide out. They're in a good spot with him, but Rutgers is right there as well, and the Scarlet Knights are a real contender. I mean, there was a point early in his recruitment where he almost committed to Rutgers, so there's a real affinity for the staff in Piscataway, so you cannot discount the Scarlet Knights there. And, I mean, Georgia is also lurking with Brown as well. They're going to get him on campus for an official visit next weekend after he makes it to Penn State this weekend. So that's one to keep an eye on. Dre Hawkins, another top 24-7 wideout. He's down at IMG Academy in Florida, going to be on campus June 23rd for his official, closing in on a commitment shortly after that. Penn State's in a really good spot. Still ongoing discussions regarding, you know, is he going to be, is there going to be a spot for him in this class mm-hmm. at the end of the day? You know, there it seems to be still a pretty split opinion. So we're going to have to see where those conversations take the Penn State staff. DeAndre Cook, another guy that's going to be on campus this weekend. Penn State's in a pretty good spot for defensive lineman out of Washington, D.C. He's been steadily moving up the board. So, you know, maybe things move quickly there this weekend once he's in town. You're in a good spot with Monta Waller, the five-star edge. I'll go on. Well, no, you, you go on because you have a lot of names here. I mean, it's you're going to get man. people so upset. That's like what thirty. We're up to thirty-two commitments because you're promising yeah. that all these guys are going to end up in Penn State. Oh, hundred percent. I'm, I'm uh, expecting. So, so be, I'm just years. saying, be careful. Be <laughs> careful. Um, but uh, you, you're obviously putting a lot of names, and I meant, and you, as you said, as you promised earlier, a lot of defensive linemen involved. One that I didn't hear about is Liam Andrews. I know we're, we're, yeah. we're trying to get a better feel for his outlook moving forward with other official visits, but we know Penn State made a strong impression in a series of strong impressions as he continues to return to campus. Defensive line is now the focus with him. It's been a fascinating turn of events because last summer we were singing his praises as an offensive line prospect of the four-star variety when he was here at camp. They still want him. It's just in a different role. Where do we make uh, his recruitment? Because this is a guy who's right there in the fringe of being a top 100 overall prospect. I don't know if people realize that uh, the lineman out of New England has really been on the rise. I think he will be a top 100 prospect when it's all Mm -hmm. said and done. I think he's got that kind of ceiling. And there are a lot of people at Penn State who feel that he has the makings of a potentially elite interior defensive lineman, which is pretty crazy considering at this time last year, me and you were sitting here talking about his performance at the whiteout camp as an offensive lineman and how he was bonded with Cooper Cousins, Alex Birchmeyer, Javon Williams, all those guys look like his future is going to be on the O-line. I even said for a while that when we started surfacing that he was going to be more of a defensive line focused kind of guy. I even said here that I thought, you know, his his potential might be best suited on the O-line. But, I mean, he's really, really come along to the defensive line recruit. And he's up there with the nation's best at this point, I would say. So Penn State has prioritized that. That's been well-received by Andrews. Right now, it's seeming like, you know, it's going to come down to Penn State and Wisconsin because word is Andrews won't be making it to Florida for his official visit this weekend, which kind of stands out as a little bit of a surprise to me because we had been hearing really for weeks now that that Florida visit was one to keep an eye on for Andrews. So for it to get scrapped is, I think, potentially pretty telling about the job Penn State and Wisconsin has done with Andrews on these first two official visits of the month. Tight race between the pair of Big Ten programs, it's looking like, but Penn State has longevity in this situation, really good relationship with the staff. You know, I, I know it's not really his focus right now, but the, the relationship with Phil Trotwine is really good. The relationship with defensive line coach, John Barnes has become really good. Just overall staff. He just likes what Penn state has to offer. So I'd say the Nittany Lions are in a pretty solid spot there right now. But again, you know, we talk about all these guys that they're in a good spot with. It, it needs to be said, you know, they're not going to close on all these guys at the end of the day. You know, they're, a lot of these guys are going to take official visits elsewhere and they're going to get swept away by other factors at other schools. 
that's just the way recruiting goes. And while Penn State has put itself in a good position with a lot of these guys, now they got to close. And, you know, when it comes to closing, you know, that's obviously the most important thing in recruiting. But sometimes it's taken out of your hands once these kids get off campus. You know, they get somewhere else and, you know, the cards fall how they may. But Penn State staff has definitely done a good job of putting itself in a position to make a move with a lot of its top targets. I mean, look how many names I just rattled off. A lot. And, yeah. and, if, and, if, and if it does come down to Wisconsin versus Penn State uh, for the services of Liam Andrews, as you said, a guy who's probably going to be a top 100 prospect. If there was ever any recruiting cycle that you want Penn State going head-to-head against Wisconsin, it feels like it's the 2024 cycle. They've been eating their lunch money of late on the recruiting trail with the way they've assembled this group. Um, Tyler, I want to get into the kind of the, the – you know, the, the flip end of that, which is recruits that over the past couple of weeks, as June has developed, as Penn State has made some moves, as other recruits have made some moves, and the target board has adjusted accordingly, which prospects that maybe we were talking about coming out of the spring are now trending away from Happy Valley? Now, Ty Helton was a uh, offensive lineman who made an official visit to Penn State during the first weekend of June. I'd say he's trending away at this point, mainly, I mean, because there's a numbers crunch on Penn State's offensive line. I mean, it just seems like there's not really going to be a spot for him in this class. And I I think that has been recognized, and he's trending towards staying in Florida at this point. You know, Brian Robinson, top 24-7 edge rusher, who just took an official visit, just came off campus. We're waiting to get a little bit more feedback on that visit to see how things went. I've been here in Kentucky for a while with Robinson. I think the staff there has done pretty good work with the Ohio native. David Polly the in-state defensive tackle. Michigan has done an excellent job with him. And USC is coming on pretty strong now as well. And, you know, there's a, there's a possibility that with Polly Polly making it out there for an official visit, you know, they got the Polynesian ties, West Coast program. He grew up in a USC family. So that's a new element of intrigue in that recruitment. You know, Penn State, it, it likes Polly Polly. It, it definitely would welcome him into the class at this point. But there was a time where, you know, he wasn't as high on the board as some other guys. And maybe that allowed a program like Michigan to kind of swoop in, solidify uh, maybe a little bit stronger of a relationship, you know, as more of a priority target for a longer duration. But the Penn State staff, I mean, Polly Polly said it to Brian Dome when those two caught up last night. You know, Penn State staff, it, Penn State feels like home to him. You know, the staff has done a really good job of making Happy Valley feel like home. And I definitely think there is some intrigue in staying a little bit close to home, but I've had my crystal ball in Michigan since May 25th and I still feel pretty, pretty good about it. So those are the guys I would say, you know, the stand out to me in regards to the ones trending away. Some guys already went off the board, you know, Elijah Newby was a top 24 seven linebacker. The Penn state staff really liked, he winds up committing to USC after taking an official visit there during the first yeah. weekend of June. That was one that they caught the staff off guard and wasn't expecting it. It was expecting him to get him on campus this weekend, and it felt pretty good about its chances with him coming to campus. That obviously did not come together. You know, just one of those situations where you did all you could, he gets blown away on another visit, decides USC is his home. So those three trending away, and then a guy like Newby, like I said, already off the board before the Penn State staff could even get a crack at him. I'll just say this about Newby. I think USC is going to be very good this year, so and it's going to be hard to maybe pry anyone away. Yeah. But maybe the long distance thing starts to settle in as as it's the months possible. go by. I mean, you, I mean, we've seen we see you guys commit after an official visit, and then you remember how much effort is required to actually be face to face with mom and dad if while you're out on, on a college campus across the country. That and by the way, you got you know Luke Reynolds, uh, who's quite the talker, uh, and, and he'll be 
spending a lot of time with with Newby up there as teammates at Cheshire Academy. So, uh, you know, you, you've got some extension of the staff there with Newby. But, yeah, the USC commitment, that was that was a really interesting time, and it felt like a situation where a guy who was ascending into his recruitment might kind of enjoy that process for a little while longer instead of shutting it down. Uh, let's look at the offensive board right now uh, because you mentioned a few names right there and, and, and maybe trending in the right direction. Wide receiver is a big one with Peter Gonzalez coming to town and Nick Marsh just in town. Um, this is an area where wide receiver is going to be the focal point on offense. But before we get into you resetting the board, I want to know what way the wind is blowing right now at the quarterback position. They've got an elite 11 finalist on board committed and Ethan Grunkemeyer. He'll be enrolling in January. He's all Nittany Lions, but for a long time now, we've discussed the possibility of a second quarterback in this class. They're coming off the board. Miles O'Neill now uh, heading elsewhere. Uh, and uh, We're starting to, to see an adjustment in the quarterback board nationally. Where is Penn State right now in potentially adding a pair of passers versus just going solo with Grunkemeyer? I think it's going to be a long quarterback class at this point. You know, they've welcomed some 2024 quarterbacks to campus to camp and work out for the staff and throw for Mike Erich's. But I mean, look, they're not going to force the issue in taking a second quarterback. And it's something that they had desired. It was definitely something on the staff's radar, but there was never a conversation where, Hey, we need to take two quarterbacks this cycle. They're not going to force the issue. I mean, they love Ethan Grunkemeyer. They're really excited about his potential. They feel that that was a really, really good early eval there, you know, getting out to see him the throw really when he only held a pair of big 10 offers, majority of his offers were either from group of five programs or Ivy league schools. So Penn State was a little bit ahead of the curve in that regard. They're really pleased with what they've seen out of Grunkemeyer and it looks like he's holding his own at the elite 11 as we speak. So, I mean, you know, the stock just keeps going up for him, but O'Neill with A&M, you know, maybe that's one of the Penn State staff and continues to work, but if it's a one-quarterback class, it's a one-quarterback class. I don't think there's any real reason for concern surrounding that if it winds up not being two. I know the Penn State staff isn't concerned if it doesn't wind up being two. So right now my money's on it being a one-quarterback class, and that's going to be Ethan Kronkemeyer. This will be James Franklin's 11th recruiting class uh, as the Penn State head coach. Of course, he had about a month to assemble his first uh, recruiting class, but three times during that span, he has signed a multi-quarterback class. The most recent, of course, Drew Aller, Bo Prabula. They're sophomores now. You've got Jackson Smolik as a freshman. He should be destined for a red shirt. Those are the only three scholarship quarterbacks right now. That's lighter than you'd want on a roster, but in modern college football, maybe that's getting to be par for the course you used to really want four. Normally, you'd probably have five, and and it's a rarity at this point. Um, you think, okay, that's good. You get Grunkemeyer in the fold next year. You're looking at four scholarship quarterbacks, but nothing's promised with quarterbacks keeping their feet on the ground on college campuses these days. So something to monitor. We'll keep an eye on that. But I wanted to get that out of the way. Where are we with the offensive board reset? You had a great VIP piece up a couple of days ago at lines247.com. What are the kind of headline bullet points from that after putting it together? I think it's just really a matter of the importance of adding at wide receiver and closing on its top targets. You know, a lot of the offensive class is already set. You know, we just touched on quarterback. They're set at running back with Quentin Martin and Corey Smith. Tight end, they have Luke Reynolds, who's now a top 100 recruit. And they're taking another swing at Carter Nelson, a top 100 tight end from Nebraska. He's going to be on campus for an official visit this weekend. But you know, that might be one of those recruitments where the visit either goes really well and Penn State's riding that race, or it kind of doesn't really do anything for him. We never discuss Carter Nelson again. You know, Georgia's put itself in a good spot. Notre Dame has put itself in a good spot. So Penn State's definitely has some ground to make up. And if they swing and miss on that, it kind of is what it is just because of the prospect that Reynolds is and how high the staff is on him. 
And then at offensive line, we just touched on it. There's really only one spot left at this point in the cycle. So a lot of this class offensively, it's already done. I mean, they've already done a lot of work and sealed the deal with a lot of their top guys. So the majority of the movement that we see for the remainder of the cycle, well, yes, there will be a lot of movement at wide receiver. Bulk of it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball, and the bulk of it's going to be on the defensive line. Well, that in mind, let's let's dive into it because if that's where there's more meat on the bone, let's start chewing. Defensively, all three phases, you're looking for maybe some more components over the next few months. Where is Manny Diaz and company's gaze land right now uh, if you're looking through the priority aspects of, of building out the remainder of this group? I mean, you're probably looking at another total five defensive linemen between the edge rushers, the defensive ends, and the interior It's a big guys. number. It's that's a, a big, big number. number. Yeah. Big number and a bigger class, man. That's really just the way it's trending mm-hmm. this cycle. You know, they, they really want to bulk up that depth on the defensive line. That's the priority for Deion Barnes and Manny Diaz right now. We mentioned Andrew's pretty good spot. Benedict Dume, he's going to be on campus this weekend as a top 24-7 prospect for his official visit. Big academic kid. He's going to be at Stanford next weekend. I don't think you could really discount Stanford in this recruitment at this point, especially with the way the Cardinal have been surging on the trail. I mean, top 25 class. New staff out there is doing a really, really good job, you know, so credit to them. I think they're going to have a real chance with Ume, given his emphasis on academics. DeAndre Cook, we touched on him. Amaris Williams, top 100 defensive tackle from North Carolina. Pinpoint to Penn State as a leader coming out of his official visit on the first weekend of June, but we'll see what comes of this weekend's official visit to Florida. You know, Tennessee is going to have a say with him when it gets him on campus next weekend. Was him pinpointing Penn State as his leader a post-visit high, or was it a real thing? We're just going to have to wait and see the answer to that. Nigel Smith, defensive end target, top 24-7 prospect out of Texas. It's looking like a Penn State, Oklahoma, Ohio State race in some order. I still like Oklahoma for Smith, but Ohio State and Penn State have made up a lot of ground recently. Smith's going to take his recruitment on a little while longer. That's He's probably going to be one of the kids who takes advantage of the new official visit rule and carries things into the fall going over that five-visit threshold. So we'll be talking about him I anticipate at least for at least a few more months longer before he comes to a decision. Uh, I mean, beyond that, it's your Andrews. You know, that's definitely going to be one I'm keeping a really, really close eye on. T.A. Cunningham's another one just because it seems like it's Penn State Miami for him at this point. So I think the way his uh, official visit this weekend, now that he's gone public with that, we could say that he's actually going to be on campus for sure now. I think uh, the way that one plays out will be pretty big because – Penn State has maintained, you know, longevity in this recruitment. To be quite honest, I wasn't sure if that was going to be the case once John Scott Jr. left the NFL because it seemed like the interest in Penn State was driven in that relationship with Scott Jr. But Deion Barnes has stepped in, and it's been a seamless transition, and he visited in the spring, really liked Barnes. So I think Cunningham is kind of a wild card in this whole situation. He's a guy that we haven't really talked about a whole lot because we weren't really sure what he was doing. We've expected him to be on campus this weekend for a while now, but we never had hard confirmation that was going to happen until about an hour ago. So now, now that we know he's coming to town, we can really dive into the ins and outs of that recruitment, at least from what we know, it's been another kind of quiet one played closer to the best than most, but Penn state Miami looking like the best two for him right now. T.A. Cunningham, one of the premier defensive line prospects in the state of Florida out of Miami Central High School, six foot five, 265 pounds. And, and you're discussing somebody who has 60 plus offers, is wanted by the local school. And yet, 48 hours in Happy Valley, we've seen it play out, folks, before with South Florida priority yeah. prospects. Um, and you just, if he gets on this plane, 
and it lands in State College, and they get this visit in, all bets are off in a situation yeah. like this. The, the hard part is actually getting those feet on the ground and, and, and getting that kind of, uh, you know, getting to that phase where you actually accomplish the goal of, of, of getting the official visit in the books. If it happens, certainly T.A. Cunningham, maybe that, that maybe that guy that we haven't talked about a bunch that all of a sudden, you know, vaults up the board and, and guys we need to be focused in on. And, and in, in kind of that, I guess, that realm how many guys can they fit in this class? Because we've mentioned so many, and Penn State's not going to bat 100. They, they probably aren't going to bat 500 with the group that we've mentioned, but they're going to get several. And, and at the end of the day, NCAA rules have changed. You're now going to be allowed and permitted to sign more than we've been accustomed to in years past. What are you looking at as far as the potential ceiling? I know there's still a ways to go. We're going to see maybe some movement on the current roster between now and December. That, that changes some things maybe between now and, and the February signing day as well. But, but what's the outlook here in, in mid-June? Uh, 28's the number that we've tossed around a bunch as, you know, maybe the biggest number of recruits they could take in this class. I mean, I think there's a real possibility that at this point, I think there's a real possibility that they could hit 30 or go over 30, which would be – it's eye-popping for sure because, I mean, that's a huge class. But I think that is a distinct possibility at this point in the process. It's a number that I've heard tossed around more recently than pretty much at any point in the cycle previous. So right now, I, mean, I still think it's going to be in that 28, you know, 29 range. Maybe 30, though. I don't want to, you know, act like that's not a possibility because it definitely seems like it is and it's something the staff is considering. I think that's a product of two things. I think that is the first of which is just the position has put itself with a lot of these top guys. Now, if they didn't feel as good as they do with a lot of these guys, you know, one I didn't even touch on with the defensive line was the five-star edge rusher, Jamonta Waller, who is going to have a spot in this class no matter what. He's one of those guys who's going to be a plus one in addition to whatever else Penn State does on the defensive side of the ball. So you factor in guys like that that you're in a good spot in who have a place in your class no matter what it leads you down the road of taking a bigger class. And it's looking like, you know, that 28, 29 range, maybe the sweet spot, if they hit 30, would not surprise me in the slightest. Might open my eyes a little bit, but it wouldn't surprise me. And the wild card in all of this is if it does hit for Penn State, like a lot of people are hoping it will, and this is the launch, you know, launch pad kind of season that people think it might be toward a Big Ten championship run, and you got this team rolling through October on beaten it may change who is going to be willing to give you yes. a look and be willing to get on a plane and come up to campus. I'm not kidding. I mean, it, it may even oh. just be a cool factor that gets a kid on a plane, but whatever gets him here on campus, that doesn't really matter. It's what you do when he's here, whether he just wants to look cool because he's visiting a, 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 a team that's trending on national television right now, whatever. Okay. Just get here. And then you impress the kid, you send him home and all of a sudden he has a whole different personal mindset instead of having that attachment for what he's seen on national coverage. All of a sudden he feels like he has a personal insight into your team. So that's what we're going to be monitoring as well, because that is what's next for Penn state. You're obviously going to stay the course in August. Everybody kind of hunkers down. You focus on your team prospects, focus on their high school squads, their senior seasons. But when you get into the season and you go week by week, Penn state's got all these national showcase games early there is a real possibility, in my opinion, Tyler Caparuso, that there's guys at the national level inside top 100 rankings right now, different corners of this country that will be more willing, ready, and able to come visit Penn State on a whim versus maybe doing that right now in the middle of summer 2023. I'll give you one guy. I mean, Ryan Wingo, the five-star wideout who has maintained contact with the Penn State staff 
obviously has not made it to campus for an official visit or anything like that, but there's been contact maintained. And if, if you if Penn State puts a product on the field where the quarterback play is at an elite level, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where you're like, all right, whose eyes does that open? What level of wide receiver's eyes does that open? And I think Wingo is one of those guys, you know, maybe Tysier Denmark, the Roman Catholic wideout who's committed to Oregon. Maybe even Rico Scott, the Alabama commit from Bishop McDevitt. You know, it, it opens you kind of up to a new world of possibilities if Penn State goes on to put together one of those kinds of seasons, which is, you know, a real possibility based on the talent that this program has right now and just the way things are trending. So if we get to that point in the fall where Penn State is doing what a lot of people anticipated to be doing on the field, you know, we might be hearing about some new names who the Penn State staff is, you know, kind of they're knocking on doors behind the scenes right now. Hmm. Maybe some of those doors open up with some tangible on-field success at the next level. It's not so much behind the scenes right now. Usually it is when you have a committed recruit visiting elsewhere. But in the case of Jeremiah Smith, it's very public. Uh, He's having conversations with Steve Wolfong. He's out at the Elite 11 Finals right now, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, The top-ranked receiver in the country by 24-7 sports measurement. Says he's going to wrap up his official visit itinerary with the trip to Happy Valley. And he's got other visits planned as well. Uh, What what do we make of this one? Because he's been on again off again with visit plans here to Penn State um, and and look when you've got the number one player in the country at his position and it's the biggest priority right now on your target board we're all going to pay attention but should we be I mean yeah I guess because he says he's visiting but he, he also said he was going to be at one point he said he's going to be visiting this weekend and it wound up not happening so look I mean temper expectations until he actually shows up on campus but I think if he does make it, I mean, let's just be honest. You know, I don't think Jeremiah Smith, who's from Florida, committed to Ohio State, has a bunch of in-state schools on his tail. I don't think he's taking a casual trip to State College, Pennsylvania, in the middle of the summer, unless he is seriously at least willing to give the staff a chance to, you know, put its pitch on him and, you know, really hear them out. But I want to see him make it to campus first before that happens because we've been down this road of discussing Jeremiah Smith visiting and how great of an opportunity is for Penn State. And it is a great opportunity because let me say this. I mean, Jeremiah Smith is probably one of the better wide receiver prospects we have covered in a while, specifically Mm -hmm. out of his region and just in general. He's the number two recruit in the entire nation right now. So this isn't, you know, just some four star who's on the fringe of, you know, maybe in a top 200 kid. We're talking about one of the best prospects in the nation and the best wide receiver in the nation. I mean, it's kind of hands down when you go flip on that tape, you could just see he's a different kind of kid out there. So it, it would be a good opportunity for Penn State for sure. It'd be a good opportunity for Marcus Higgins, you know, take a big swing, show what he's got. I think Higgins deserves a little bit of credit for this as well. You know, I mean, look, he's gotten that relationship to a place where clearly Smith is willing to listen to him and be around him for multiple days. So if he shows up, hey, look, Penn State, man, they got a fighter's chance. That's right. And I think also in terms of pull uh, coming up the campus, you've got to give a lot of love to J1 Slider because what he does down yes, in that area, yes, Shamanad cool. Madonna, I mean, he has gone down and signed blue chip players from, from that program. That's a, that's a routine power five, you know, factory kind of a school down there in terms of football. So, uh, you know, J1 Slater is going to be pulling a lot of strings to make this happen if it does happen. But you got to address it when the number one wide receiver says he's going to plan to be on campus a couple of weeks from now. Uh, but but still a little bit skeptical in terms of how this recruitment is going to go. Uh, still on board with the Buckeyes, but he is a big fish out there right now. And a lot of teams still taking uh, their long looks at him. 
We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Tyler, let's look ahead because we've got this weekend to get to, and uh, you'll be here, uh, yep. Daniel, myself, Mark Brennan, Grace Brennan, all on the field for the Big Man Challenge for the 7-on-7 seven -seven tournament. It's the first of two 7-on-7 seven -seven tournaments here at Penn State Football. We're going to be watching high school teams bring their squads from all across the region, some teams traveling quite far, and each year it gives us a chance to, to check in on some targets, some commits, and also learn about some of those rising sophomores, rising juniors, even some of those guys on the rise as seniors that we need to be paying more attention to. Tyler, this is maybe my favorite on-campus prospect event of the year because it covers so much ground. You can walk over at Haluba Hall and watch all these offensive and defensive linemen going about their business, going through their drill work, getting one-on-ones. And then you can walk over to the intramural fields and see really premier talent from across the prep landscape here in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic battling it out. I love this event. I'm excited to cover it again. I'm, I'm glad you'll be with us. And and what do you want to toss in about Friday? Because I know you have a preview coming for it here on a Thursday night. Yeah, we're going to have a preview going up on that tonight. I'm really excited about this, man. I mean, we've got a loaded field coming to town. There's going to be a lot of talent scattered across campus tomorrow. And I'm really excited about it, man. I mean, just you got the local programs. You know, you got some really high-end programs from the DMV. You know, good council is going to be there. They're always loaded with talent. The math is going to be there. Gonzaga from DC is going to be there. So, I mean, just the list goes on and on. I mean, even down, we got a Monarch High from Florida coming up, and they've got some dudes in the 2025 and 2026 classes. So, I mean, it goes beyond the Northeast region at this point for this weekend. You know, we got some intriguing names from Florida coming up. So, we're going to have a full preview on the site, but I'm really excited to see a lot of the in state talent. You know, Tequay Hayes, he's a 25 running back from Aliquippa. We're going to have to see where he falls on the board when things are all said and done because they already have Keandre Barker on board. So, you know, there's only room for probably another back in that 2025 haul. Where does Hayes fall? We'll see. I mean, Imatep from Philly is going to have a lot of high end guys. Kenny Wolsey is going to be in town at 2024 commit. Anthony he was Speckers. great there yeah. last year. I mean, w Wosley stamped himself last summer yeah, at this camp, great. in my opinion. Of course, now he's in the Penn State class. He's a four-star composite guy, but he went out there and balled out against the other team's top receiver game by game by game, and he was a dog. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, that's a good it, – I'm glad you said that because it's a lot – this seven-on-seven tournament's really an opportunity for a lot of guys to either solidify themselves – on Penn State's board or move up the board. I think Wolsey was one of those guys last summer who solidified. Or disappear from it. Or That or is also very true. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a great point because, you know, we always like to talk about how kids fare well and they really boost their stock. But sometimes it happens where a kid maybe isn't as impressive as you thought he'd be or he has a bad day and it kind of 
changes your perception of them. You know, that, that's all part of the game as well. For the kids' sake, you know, you hope they go out there, they ball out, and they do what they got to do to help themselves land, whether it be at Penn State or catch the eye of another program. But, you know, some guys, that's just the way it's going to go. They're going to fall down the board as well. But, man, I mean, 49 schools we're looking at, DMV, Northeast, it's going to be a fun afternoon. Yeah, um, I, I was going to say bring the sunscreen, but you might want to bring a raincoat. Rain, I don't yeah. know. I haven't checked the, the weather <laughs> forecast in the last few minutes. But uh, when, when we look at this event, just the fond memory of mine, the first seven-on-seven seven event I covered here at Penn State, young man by the name of Micah Parsons led Harrisburg High School to the seven-on-seven seven championship, and he was in between his Penn State commitments. So there was an awkwardness in the air about this. I mean, we're talking about a guy who Ohio State, he was still going to be visiting them. He's still at Alabama. He had Nebraska visits ahead. There was a lot going on in his recruitment, but he came to town. He played cornerback. He played wide receiver. He was obviously playing some linebacker, uh, and he led his team there. James Franklin handed him that MVP trophy, and obviously we saw him end up back on campus as an All-American down the road. And I'm just thinking about uh, some of the big man challenge memories a few years back. Olu Fashinu, a guy who was a three-star in the rankings, and then we saw what he was doing in the big man challenge. I think he took MVP the summer before his senior season at Gonzaga High School down in the D.C. area. And, wow, you saw the makings of the athletic specimen. Was Were we projecting he was going to be a top-10 prospect in the NFL draft? No, but you realize that Penn State did have – a lot of tools that you're looking for in a prototypical left tackle kind of prospect. And there he is within a couple of years of the program being billed as this kind of franchise left tackle. And Landon Tangwall, before he even took a rep at the high school level uh, prior to his freshman season, he was uh, created a lot of stir around campus. He ended up getting a Maryland offer before his freshman year from then Maryland offensive line coach Tyler Bowen, who ended up on Penn State staff later. So there's a lot of fun stuff that, that I, you know, just looking back year to year, I'm sure I've, I've forgotten way too many items from, from the last several uh, editions of this, but always excited to see what's next. And we'll be keeping a close eye on it. Video, photos, notes, quotes, context, everything coming from these events on Friday over at lines247.com for our VIP subscribers. Really excited to get back on the field. Uh, but Tyler Cabruso, of course, along the way, we're going to see official visitors make their way to campus. And it's kind of funny every single year on these Fridays, we're out there, we're covering the things, uh, we're getting sweaty as the day's going on. And, and, and we see the coaches, you know, cool, casual in their golf carts, riding around, showing the prospects a good time, their parents, and, and you've got official visitors on campus. And it's a cool kind of a mix of, you know, scouting for the future and then recruiting directly for the present. What do we need to know about this official visit weekend that gets underway Friday? You know, we've already touched on, I think, pretty much every name who's going to be making it to campus this <laughs> weekend. I think it could be another um, another productive weekend for Penn State, whether it be, you know, in the form of commitments or, you know, maybe uh, groundwork being laid for some future success in the coming weeks and months. I think two names to keep an eye on are Pierre Gonzalez. Um, DeAndre Cook's definitely one to keep an eye on. Really interested to see what's going to play out with Benedict Dume because part of that pitch from the staff is going to be, look, this is a place you could really thrive academically while playing some big-time college football. So that's a pretty interesting element of this weekend. Making a good impression on Josiah Brown before he makes it to Georgia, that'd be really key for Penn State's pursuit of him. Carter Nelson's one that could go one way or the other. One guy we haven't actually talked about, the only one we haven't talked about, is Terry Nichols four-star cornerback from excuse me, from the Cincinnati out in Ohio. He's going to be on campus for his official visit. We should have some more clarity on his recruitment 
coming out of this visit. I really can't pinpoint it right now in terms mm. of where he might be leaning or where he, you know, is really thinking and where his mind is at. So I'm looking forward to getting some clarity on that coming out of the weekend. I definitely think that there are other cornerbacks on Penn State's board ahead of Nichols right now. But we'll see. We've seen guys climb up the boards on official visits before, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. All right, Tyler. Um, before we get to our mailbag, which we, we have one of those, and we've been appreciated the submissions over yes. at lines247.com on our message board. There's a thread pinned up top there. We'll get to that mailbag in just a moment. But Elite 11 Finals, day two, I don't know if they started action yet out there on the West Coast. It's about 2.30 here on the East Coast. But another big day. Uh, day one was yesterday, Wednesday. They're going to go through Friday. Ultimately, an MVP will be named. There are 20 quarterback prospects from the class of 2024 in attendance. Among them is Ethan Grunkemeyer, who previewed that opportunity here on the podcast uh, just a couple weeks ago. We discussed it with Daniel Gallon and Mark Brennan as well on the last episode. But Tyler, I, I just, you know, it's it's always interesting to see people react to to the coverage of Elite Eleven, and we you know we saw a, a different range of rankings for Ethan Grunkemeyer. I think what stands out to me coming off of day one is the velocity fits in with the elite group. And that's always what I'm curious about. I've gotten a chance to cover, I think, four of these finals in the past. I know I've mentioned it a bunch here on the podcast before. But one thing that you can pick up in day one right away is who brought the velocity? Who really has it? Because, look, you can stand out. You can look beautiful on a huddle film if you're a quarterback. Uh, but if if you're a kid from you know from Atlanta and you got a kid from California and now you've got a kid from Ohio and you put them all on the field together, all of a sudden everybody's really good, right? Everyone's a yeah. really good quarterback now. Who is an elite quarterback? And that's kind of the whole deal with this process. And and they do it all in the classroom. They do it on the field. And they do it with a lot of uh, kind of uh, it's things that kids aren't going to encounter at the high school level to really push them, make them feel uncomfortable. And it's I think it's a it's a tremendous three day process. But to me, right off the bat, you pick up that the velocity stands out with this kid. He can drive the ball, uses his lower body, threw some ropes. I mean, we're just going off of, of the vantage point of, of reporters who are out there on the field, not, not going to go too far, far down the scouting and analytics department because we're not seeing it for ourselves. But I think that was important to see. He fits in because I can tell you when guys don't fit in, you, you can tell it right there from the first few throws of the camp. And surprisingly, sometimes blue chip quarterbacks, they don't match up with that arm strength and it looks like Grunkemeyer can can really get that development going yeah and you know he's generating a lot of velocity on his throws which is something that we saw at the elite 11 regional at state college area high you know so that we've seen him fit in and look the part among some pretty high level quarterbacks you know Ryan Puglisi the Georgia commit was at that elite 11 regional and he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Grunkemeyer Dante Reno who is an elite 11 finalist in California right now he was at that regional, and he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Grunkemeyer, and Grunkemeyer held his own among all of those guys. You know, this is something that we've seen of him in person previously. You know, so it's not really about just looking the part for him. It's a, He's consistently gone out there and done it. You know, he doesn't just look like a Division I, high-level Division One quarterback. He's been throwing like one on the camp circuit, and that's continuing, it looks like, out in California. So – I think at this point, you know, this is a second straight year where I, I know at this time last year, Marcus Stokes was still Penn State's 2023 quarterback commit and Jackson Smolik wasn't really on the radar yet. But, you know, he took second in that rail shot challenge that they do at the Elite 11 last year. And Gronkemeyer happened to take second place last yeah. night. So, you know, the second straight year 
of two of Penn State's quarterbacks going out and faring really, really well at this event and placing themselves right among the nation's elite in that regard. So, look, if you're a Penn State fan, I mean, and you're excited about Grunkamar, I'll tell you what, based on what I've seen out of him in person, granted it was just one afternoon, but from what I've seen out of him in person and from what he's doing out in California right now, if you're a Penn State fan, I, I think you've got every reason to be excited about his arm and his upside. Something that happened, though, last year, and it happens every year, is a guy can make noise day one, like Marcus Stokes did. There was a lot of buzz out of him, and then didn't really hear much about him the next yep. 48 hours of Elite 11 Finals. It happens every single year. Sometimes, I mean, you got to realize, like, some of these quarterbacks don't ball out day one because they may have just had a 10-hour flight yeah, or 10-hour travel day after three hours of sleep. They're on a different coast, and you hand them a football and say, throw to this stranger on a foreign field takes a couple of maybe yeah. maybe takes the day two to get in a groove for some guys where some come out firing on all cylinders look fantastic and then they get fatigued or they got a little more of a spotlight on them and they feel that spotlight and, and then they approach it differently on day two and day three so i want to see if grunkemeyer has the staying power i think there was clearly a consensus among the reporters that are covering this event that that he belongs in the upper half of this group right now and that's a good place to start and what gives me kind of the optimism that he's going to build off that, and, and I know that the way the Elite 11 staff operates when they gather in the evening and they go through things and they dissect things, they talk about a lot of stuff that, that we don't see happening on the field. And part of it, I think Grunkemeyer is going to kill it in the classroom. I think he's really well mm -hmm. prepared for that dynamic of what they're going to throw your way. And so I, I know there's always some questions about when they release the eventual Elite 11. There's 20 guys. There's 11 that are going to make the cut. They'll be an MVP. And sometimes, based on arm talent, there's like, wow, how did this guy not make it inside the top 11? Or how did he make it in the top 11? That's where you got to fill in some of that gray area with what the Elite 11 staff is putting these guys through and trying to make them realize day to day, week to week, when you're in a Power 5 program and you're the guy with the keys to the offense, this is the tasks that are going to be put in front of you. And that's really a big part of what they try to hammer down to these guys over the 72 hours out there in Southern California. Coverage is going to continue from 247sports.com. Uh, a lot of that coming your way. We also want to note that Luke Reynolds is out there. I had a story yeah. up on Thursday, uh, you know, a rising tight end prospect across the country right now, inside the top 10 at the position, just about uh, inside the top 100 overall as a, as a prospect. But Penn State's latest premier tight end prospect out there catching passes. I mentioned Jeremiah Smith doing it, the number one run, uh, receiver in the country. Uh, it's an opportunity for Andrews to really, I'm sorry, for Reynolds to really get accustomed to, to throwing or throwing pitch and catch a little bit with Ethan Grunkemeyer. They did it in State College uh, at that regional a few weeks ago. They were together in State College this past weekend when all those official visits took place, and they'll be together for a long time in State College when they enroll in January. So anytime you get them on the field working among the best in the country, it's going to be beneficial to both of them. So a couple of things to stay tuned from our coverage, both uh, Reynolds and Grunkemeyer out there in Los Angeles here through Friday. Uh, let's finish up with that mailbag, as I promised, Tyler Calvaruso, and it takes us back into the subject of official visits. Here's the question, uh, which again, you can drop your question at lines247.com in our message board. It's pinned toward the top. Uh, throw it in there. We'll do our best to get to it on a future episode. PSU consistently crushes it when it comes to official visits. I assume this takes a ton of planning before and during the weekend. What does this process look like? And Tyler, you can start here. I'll, I'll chime in. But obviously, yes, it is a major, major endeavor. You know, it's a process. It's a good point. You know, it definitely takes a lot of planning before the weekend even begins. But honestly, the groundwork for a successful official visit is laid months in advance 
when you're getting to know a recruit, when you're getting to know what makes him tick and how you can cater to him when he does make it to campus. You know, how can you make his official visit the best possible experience in all facets? How can you make the official visit the best possible experience in all facets for his family? That is a point of emphasis from the support staff, not only the on-field coaching staff, but the support staff are honestly the real rock stars when it comes to getting this stuff set up. You know, the Andy Franks, the Kenny Sanders, Khalil Amads, all those guys, everyone behind the scenes, the on-campus recruiting coordinators who coordinate everything. You know, it's it's a lot of work that goes into all of this. And I think Penn State has the preparation part of it down to a T. I think that's why you see the staff do so well on official visits and, you know, kind of move the needle with so many guys. You know, it's not a coincidence that we're out here reporting after pretty much official visit how Penn State helped itself. It's rare that Penn State hosts an official visit and it does something where it's either detrimental or it doesn't move the needle with the kid. They're just that good when these kids are on campus. It's credit to the staff. It's credit to the support staff. And then once these kids get on campus, you know, I mean, obviously the red carpet is rolled out for them. It all starts you know, they get to the hotel room. There's a bunch of really cool stuff waiting for them, a bunch of goodies, a bunch of, you know, swag packs, things of that nature waiting for them. And I, that's part of it. You know, that was one thing with Amaris Williams. He was greeted very nicely, and that kind of you know, that got the ball rolling in the right direction for Penn State once he arrived on campus. He was very impressed with the presentation in that regard. Then you have the actual presentation from James Franklin that tends to either move recruits or their families in a pretty positive way. You know, we saw that with KV on Keys in 2023. I mean, he said he was pretty much brought to tears by the presentation Penn State laid out during his official visit. So that speaks to how meaningful that could be. You know, you get inside Beaver Stadium, you get to throw in the Penn State jersey, take all your photos, you get dinner with the staff, you have some pretty important conversations with the staff. You talk to your on-campus host, the player, the current Penn State players who are hosting you, provide you with some key insight into what it's actually like to be part of the program. And there's just, you know, and all the other bells and whistles that come along with an official visit, excuse me, an official visit weekend. There's a lot that goes into it. And of all the staffs that I've covered and, you know, just looking around the nation and seeing how staffs approach their official visits, I think Penn State is up there among the nation's elite. I mean, and I think you kind of see the results, you know, bearing – look at where they are ranked nationally right now. Look at the number of commits that are part of the class. I think it speaks to the work that Penn State puts in on the prep front, and not only the prep front, the execution front as well, because you could prep as well as you'd like, but you need to go out there and execute when these kids get to campus, and that is something that the staff does well consistently. And they recently lost somebody who has been very instrumental to this time of yes. the year, especially, but all these visitors. But Hunter Carson is now with the Cleveland Browns uh, working in the NFL, and she did a fantastic job here uh, with the staff. But they've, you know, they've, they've been able to expand the staff. They brought in some lettermen. A guy like Alan Zomitis has absolutely crushed it in his role here at Penn State. Uh, Kenny Sanders bringing him back a couple years ago after he went out to the West Coast and, and was with Oregon for a bit. Uh, you know, His homecoming has been fantastic for, for James Franklin. It's someone kind of within that inner circle. And so there's a lot of structure, but I, I'm just going to go back to the conversation I had one week ago with Penn State's general manager, uh, Andy Frank, a guy who does it from the personnel perspective, a guy who does it from the roster perspective. And look, June is insane. You've got these 50 official visitors and you have to keep in mind, they're not all coming from the same location. You have families of four, families of five, you have families of divorced parents. Well, you're going to bring both parents in for a look, you know, and so you probably have for 50 families, 75 flights to coordinate. And that is a fiasco because I shouldn't say a fiasco, but that is a whole it's a whole maze of its own because you're talking about State College Airport 
and there's not direct flights to State College Airport for most places. So you've got to, you know, make sure people are comfortable with their connecting flights, make sure they have enough time for their connecting flights, all the stuff you would want to do for yourself personally. You do not want to screw up someone's flight itinerary where they can't get to your place or they can't get home uh, correctly because that is going to leave a bad taste in their mouth. I've seen it happen before. Um, and, and by the way, in June, you're also juggling five, 6,000 campers yep. coming to your school that you're supposed to be evaluating and coaching. Um, but I, I want to give some serious love to the people, the gophers, uh, because I was one of those gophers for a different program, one that's now in the Big Ten. I was a guy who drove 45 minutes to an hour to the airport. Somehow, got, Sometimes we get stuck in traffic on the way back and have to make small talk with a family you may have just met that got in from the official visit. Now there's people making airport runs. It's much manageable of a trip. You're not driving to Philly or Pittsburgh to bring someone in, but there's people making airport runs. There's people doing simple things like holding the door open. Uh, So all that a coach needs to do is be there in the room and be the rock star that they are because they're making six, seven figures at a power five program. They probably got a really big personality. So you let that coach do what they do. Uh, The people who are able to put them in that position are the support staffers making a lot less money. Maybe the interns there uh, and people who are, are putting in a ton of hours trying to work their way up the ladder in college football because that's how it's done. But you know, they're the ones doing everything from maybe making sure that James Franklin's liquor cabinet's stocked up for the social hour later in the day. There's all different stuff that goes into official visit weekend. Definitely. And the biggest thing, the biggest thing you want is for the parents and the players not to realize how much of an event it is. You want them to feel like it's seamless and they're just walking from one thing to the next. There's all the things happening, the inner workings, but a program like Penn State, because they've had a head coach who's been doing it for a decade, and he's got a lot of people who he trusts within the program, most notably Andy Frank. They're to the point where I don't want to call it clockwork because that makes it sound like way too easy, but they're in a really good spot where there's college football programs that are get scattered with their official visit approach, and it really hurts them. I think I think it's uh, I know there's we can go on and on and on about what official visits are and there's a lot of fun to them and there's a dynamic where parents have the fun and players have the fun and uh, campus to campus what the players do on an official visit can certainly have a wide range but here at Penn State it seems like they do a good job of making it as transparent as possible about hey this is what it's going to be like it's it's, there's going to be some beautiful moments on official visits where, where the food's awesome. And there's going to be some praising and all that stuff that that's not going to sustain when you get to campus. But I think they do a good job of peeling back the curtain on what your day to day, not only your expectations are going to be from the staff, but what your opportunities are going to be, what you want to seek as a student athlete at a very large international scale university like Penn State. So there's a long answer from both of us, I think, to, to, to bring this one up. But it's, it's a timely one because we're right in the yeah. middle of the biggest official visit month. Um, and it's weird because. Back when I was working in the other side of this industry, all the official visit weekends, the biggest ones were either right after the season into the winter or they were during the season coordinated with your biggest game weekends. You don't really see game weekends, especially at Penn State, being utilized like that. It's happening in the summer. So it's a totally different kind of landscape. And I think it really gives you a better opportunity to just go all in on these weekends rather than making them kind of part of the spectacle. They are the spectacle. Yeah. And we talk about how do you make a guy feel like a priority when he's among this other big group of visitors with their families. And you mentioned it, you know, these guys get paid the big bucks for a reason. They have these big personalities. They know what it takes to close, right? You know, that's why they are in the positions that they are in. And I think that when from a Penn state perspective, specifically what I hear from recruits time and time again is 
everything does feel seamless. It doesn't feel like it's a you know big thing that takes all this planning. It kind of feels like I've had recruits tell me that official visits at Penn State, it feels like it's like second nature to the staff. They push all the right buttons. There aren't really any sort of hiccups. You know, recruits always praise the organization of the staff and the support staff. Everything is on point. And, you know, it, it, it's important because you leave such a good taste in a recruit's mouth when he makes it to your campus for an official visit. It sets the tone for his future visits. You know, he can go to another school where maybe things aren't as organized or if they are, things aren't as seamless. And granted, a lot of these other power high-level Power 5 staffs, they do have it down to a science as well. You know, this isn't just a Penn State thing. There are a lot of other programs out there that are really, really good on official visits. But, you know, Happy Valley is one of those places, man, where it's really important to get these kids to town, to show them what it's all about, to show them how they can succeed on and off the field. The staff definitely has that part of it down. So overall, it's it's a pretty intriguing process. It's a great question because it definitely gives you, as a fan, a little bit of a closer look at the inner workings and, you know, what goes into formulating a successful official visit weekend. You bring up the Gophers. I mean, you've done it yourself. Those guys are, and girls are really big part of the equation, you know, and they get no love at the end of the day. It's the coaches who close who get all the love, but everyone plays a part in a successful official visit. And Penn State has a deeper staff than it has ever had at any point in its program's history right now. And that's Mm -hmm. something that works in its favor as well. And do you know what the most important part of an official visit weekend is? Minus the kid actually showing up at your doorstep. You're probably going to have an answer for me that I'm not even anticipating. So I'm going to let you go. I probably will. <laughs> it's, it's the, it's however long the trip home takes, whether you're oh, sitting yeah. on a plane, uh, whether you're sitting in the, in the, uh, the, the terminal waiting to get on your plane or sitting on the plane or whether you're sitting in the car on the way home, it's a lot of time to exhale and say, so what do we that's think? Small, yeah, and, that's and, you, and you, and you debrief. And by the time you get home, and you really have that follow-up conversation with the coaching staff, you have digested how you truly feel about it. Yeah. The rest of it is going to get kind of skewed by what you hear from those around you, by what the coaches are following up. But that's really probably the most honest feeling about your official visit you're going to experience is that trip home when you talk about it with whoever was on it with you. So if you can put them back in that car or back on that plane with smiles on their faces, it can really go mm-hmm. a long way. Penn State's got a good track record there. Great question. Keep the mailback questions coming, and we'll keep the answers coming. Tyler Calvaruso, you took us a full hour with this tremendous recruiting reset. The, the, the good news is, for our listeners out there, we have a whole second half of the month of June. Yep. I, I assume that's good news for you. Uh, it's probably good, certainly good news for whoever you buy your coffee from because you've been crushing it. We appreciate the work you've been putting in. Uh, keep it up, man. We'll see you uh, on campus here in, in just a matter of hours to cover this uh, big man challenge and seven-on-seven tournament. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow, man. Feels good saying that. Yeah, talk to you soon. Great stuff from Tyler Calvaruzzo. As always, check out our content at lions247.com. Through the weekend, big day of camp coverage for our VIP subscribers on Friday, and then a bunch of official visit notes coming your way in through Sunday next weekend. Next week, we do it all again. We got more camps. We got another official visit weekend. Just one week after the other this month. It's been a lot of fun uh, covering it and, and talking about it with you guys here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Uh, we're back with Mark Brennan, Daniel Gallen, Tyler Calvaruso, and some guests next week. We're going to have some fun with some guests. Uh, for now, stepping aside, I'm Tyler Donahue. We'll talk to you real soon right here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, I- Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.